0: If you've been with us over the last, uh, I don't know, month and a half, uh, we've, we've, I've preached on some messages that, in, in, in my view, are really, really uh, critical to the basis of our faith. You know, I've talked about the, the idea of grace and you know, this undeserving grace that we receive from God. And then, I, and then how when we receive that grace, how we're made right with him, and then there's an empowering grace that's available that comes on our lives to do what it is that we're, we're called to do. But make no mistake about it, it's an undeserving grace, right? It's something that God freely gives to us and we receive by faith and it makes us all that we are and allows us to do all that we're called to do. And I've also preached, in fact, this was just last week, a message on the peace of God and how when God's spirit comes to live on the inside of us, that God is peace by his nature and by character, and so that fullness of peace lives on the inside of us, and how God intends for us to walk through this earth in peace, not necessarily there won't be storms and battles around us, but that those things aren't meant to make their way onto the inside of us, and that we're supposed to live in peace, and we're supposed to move forward in peace no matter what else is going on. And several of these things and probably a couple other messages that I'm not thinking of right now are are really a lot about what God freely gives to us. They're about what we have, not because we've earned it, but because God is just so good that he's given it to us. He's put it on the inside of us. He's allowed us to partake of these wonderful and amazing things. But I want to sort of further some of that teaching today and and really probably at times from here on out in weeks to come about how that's how that stuff that we receive is is meant to flow out of us into the world around us as we go forth you know when we talk about undeserving grace from god that there is a sense that we ourselves are supposed to be like a vessel where grace just flows out of us. Grace and forgiveness and just love to people around us, right? And, and it's, we're capable of doing it in such a way because God is on the inside of us and he's giving us the ability to do that. Also, peace you know, the peace of God that's given on the inside of us, that we have a mandated a responsibility to live peaceably with others and to contend for peace and to stand for that peace, you know. So, so much of the things that God gives us in His power and in His wisdom and in His goodness, they they're, they do an amazing work in us and continue to all through our days, but there's not this sense that they're just sort of stopped up in us, but they should be freely flowing out of us into the world that we're called to be in contact with and walk with. It's just like Jesus said, freely you've been given, now freely give, right? And so I want to talk today about this idea of really being the kind of people that live with a heart of graciousness or just lending grace to others, being a forgiving type of person, because what that will allow to happen in our lives is something that we will definitely want to continue to see happen. But more importantly, if if God has given us all of this, then we he deserves for us to live in such a way that we are pouring that out to the best of our abilities, to his people, to his children, to the world around us that we're called to show his love to. Amen? Amen. 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 So we were talking, Katie and I were talking on the way over here today, and I was explaining to her, I always share, you know, a little bit about what the message is that I'm going to preach and what my thoughts and stuff are, and, you know, she likes to try to tell me what to do with it and how to go with it. <laughs> Just kidding. No, but she she always gives me a lot of really helpful insight and she usually helps me come up with some kind of personal stories or things that relate to what I'm talking about. Cause I really enjoy sharing from my own life, but sometimes it's you know, I just trying to figure out what I can say about it. And she's help, she's helpful for me to be able to recount those things. So we were talking, I'm like, yeah, you know. Lending grace when it's undeserved, just, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how David and Saul, the the deals with David and Saul today, but um, just how when when people don't necessarily deserve it, in our opinion, that we're still able to lend them grace. We're still able to give them grace uh, because that's just our heart, you know, and she was like, oh, yeah, well, you know, you could talk about, like, this time whenever you did this, and then I was like, you remember how I was, like, giving you and I was thinking, I was like, yeah, but but you, you didn't. Give me grace there. Maybe You kind of made me pay for that one. Oh, yeah, that's a bad one, actually. Okay, well, you remember the time whenever this happened? And I was like, yeah, but you didn't really give me grace there either. So I think what we figured out is that this message is really for Katie today. Uh, But I'm going to pay for that one, too. I, I, I wonder if I'll get grace for this. So look, just say, grace is the way to be. Say it say that way. Grace is the way to be. Or giving grace, I should say. And, you know, we live, obviously, with a, a multiple types of relationships in our lives, a lot of different dynamics. Some of them are very close to us because we're interacting a lot more than others that are possibly at a distance but still play a very key part in our lives. And the fact is, is that we're all imperfect people, right? I mean, none of us are, are walking around in perfect grace and in just perfect attitude and everything all of the time. And so as a result, what happens is we inevitably just kind of like rub up against each other. We challenge each other in in ways where this idea of lending grace and being forgiving and being gracious is something that we have to really have established in us so that as we move through these relationships in our lives, that we can be able to maintain that atmosphere of peace and love and joy that we are called to walk in, that is fertile and healthy for all the things that God wants to see come to pass in our lives, be able to be birthed out right? We sort of create that atmosphere and that culture in which the relationships that we get to be a part of uh, exist in in our lives. And just like they can be fertile and healthy, they can also be infertile or or destructive or contaminated, right? And things can start to happen and creep in that can cause the the atmosphere for those relationships to, to develop and to sort of become sour. And there's things that we can tend to do that cause that to happen. And so I want you to Start out going with your Bibles in your Bibles with me to Matthew chapter 18, and we're going to read from verses 21 through 35. And this is the parable of the unforgiving servant. And I want to read through this whole parable just to kind of soak this in. But starting out in verse 21 Then Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall I, shall my uh, brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times. So he's sort of inquiring of the master, of the teacher. How many, you know, he's he's basically looking at it like, okay, so there's a limit, right? There's this point where I stop forgiving. Seven times, is that good enough? Would you say that that's like going the distance, Jesus, after that? No more. And Jesus' response to him is, well, I say to you, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven right? Implying an infinite number. There isn't an end to this. It's, it's, it's an unending amount of times that we're asked to forgive. And listen to what he says after this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he introduces a parable and a story to kind of talk about this idea that Peter's presenting, which is there's got to be a measure. I'm sure there's a measure or a limit to how much grace I'm really supposed to give, how much forgiveness that I'm really supposed to give people. There's got to be a cutoff here, right, Jesus? And this is how Jesus responds. After he says 70 times 7, he says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants." And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion Released him and forgave him the debt. So, stopping right here, the servant. Is, is, is kind of a representation of us, right? And the master is Jesus. And so the master, the, the servant owes the master a debt. There's a, there's a debt that's to be paid, but the servant cannot pay it on his own. And he's in desperate need for the master to give him forgiveness of that or to make some sort of arrangement to give him grace so that he can be able to uh, try to pay it back or that he can be able to satisfy those needs. And so the idea here is that we are incapable of doing that right we needed jesus the master to to forgive us of our debt in order for that to be free and clear it was never able to be paid for on our own and so jesus comes in and he does that for us and forgives us and then what he goes on to say from there is just like i the master have forgiven you why because i had compassion on you you needed what you couldn't you couldn't have on your own. You didn't have the ability to pay. And I gave it to you freely and I forgave you. And then he goes on to say here, but that the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I will pay you all. But he would not. He went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. And when his fellow servants saw what he had done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then the master, after he had called him, said, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me, should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just as I had pity on you? Okay. So look, the master is, is he's grieved. He's disappointed to say the least at the, at the actions of the servant here. And he's saying, how, how could you? How could you? I had compassion on you. You owed me a debt that you couldn't pay and I forgave you. My expectation is that you would have handled your dealings with the other people around you in the same way that I handled them with you And you didn't. How could you possibly treat him like that? You wicked servant. And he condemned him for that. And so we've got to understand that we were forgiven of the greatest debt that could ever be owed in our sin when Jesus took the the payment and the price and and on the cross for us and what he's saying in this parable he's saying look I've forgiven you beyond anything you could ever forgive anyone else all I'm asking you to do now is to walk forward and live your life in such a manner where that grace that I've lent to you is now pouring out of your life and is being demonstrated in the relationships around you that I've called you to instead of demonstrating grace and love and 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 forgiveness you've been judgmental you've sentenced this person now he threw them in prison right you've sentenced this this servant of yours now to a, a prison and to pay a sentence back to you now that they're unable to do how could you possibly do that and this is listen when we we don't realize this all the time but whenever we don't forgive, when we don't lend grace to people as we should, as, as God has done so much more for us than what we should do for, for those around us, right? And, and as we don't do that, inevitably what we're doing is we're kind of sentencing people. We're sentencing them to sort of live out a punishment almost because of what they've either, they've maybe offended us or they've done something to hurt us or they've done something to harm us. And, and maybe they didn't even mean to, but by not lending grace and not having a heart of forgiveness, ultimately what we can do is sentence people to basically live out some kind of a punishment in, in our own way of judging the situation that they are not intended to do and ultimately what that does is that puts us in a position where now the bitterness or offense or different things can start to creep in so there's no measure of forgiveness there's no limit there's no amount of time that we should stop forgiving or stop giving grace to people and especially the important thing to realize is even when they don't deserve it And that's what Jesus was trying to say in the story, or that's what he was trying to tell the servants. It's not that they deserve it, because you didn't deserve it that's the whole point the idea is that grace should just be and forgiveness should just be pouring out of your heart into this relationship so that you can demonstrate and and live in such a way that I'm exemplifying to you and what I am forgiving you of and so the compassion that we have on others should instigate this type of attitude of forgiveness and grace and you know I was thinking about this too I remember one time I was I think it was my dad and I were driving I think we were going hunting or something and so we had some extended time to talk and somehow we got on the subject of like a lot of the things that I did when I was younger I don't know how those yeah it's one of those things that's like it's really great later on in life but whenever it's happening or back then you know that was the last thing that you wanted to talk about or, or have happen so we were just getting into some of the stories and. He was saying, uh, somehow I said, yeah, you, the time that you did this or whatever. And I was like, wait, you, you knew about that? He was like, yeah, I knew about that. And then I was saying like, well, you, and then I, th- I was like, well, there was this time you guys didn't know this and, you know, I did this. And he was like, oh, I knew, I knew about that. That was, you know, when this happened. And I was like, wait, you knew about that? And so we just kind of proceeded with these different stories. And I was just like shocked at some of the things that he knew, that I didn't know he knew. And obviously my mom probably knew a lot of those too. And so I just started thinking, I'm like, you know, I, I didn't deserve the kind of grace that I was getting in those moments, right? But I didn't even realize it, but I needed it. I needed it really bad. And if those different moments and in those different times, some of that grace hadn't been given to me and lent to me, who knows what might have happened? Who knows what that might have put me on a course or a direction of or how angry or upset? I don't know, but... Ultimately, what I'm getting at is that seeing the example of undeserving grace coming in in different moments in my life where I I shouldn't have probably got it, but because it was out of a heart of love and graciousness, it, it it served a purpose that it was meant to serve, and it created an atmosphere and a healthy condition for me to be able to really go through things that I needed to go through, but still be able to, you know, for him to be my father and for him to be able to, you know, bring when needed, but also to be able to lend grace along the way. And all I can say is, look, we all need this kind of grace. We all need the people around us to to treat us with grace, to lend forgiveness when we don't deserve it, because many times we're not even going to recognize that we've done something that is in need of being forgiven right many times we're going to say something or do something or act in such a way that's going to possibly upset somebody or offend some or do something and we don't necessarily even recognize it we might not even have the opportunity to apologize or to ask for forgiveness and so we ourselves need other people to be giving us grace and giving us that kind of forgiveness it says you know what it's just They didn't mean it that way or, you know, well, I know their heart and I know that's not what they meant. I know that's what it seems like, but that's not not really who they are. You know, we need other people to be able to uh, treat us like that and handle the relationships with us that way so that they continue to be healthy and thriving and growing. And so if we need others to be that way with us, guess what we should do? We should take the lead, and we should be that way first, right? We should be living with a heart of graciousness and forgiveness and compassion and kindness towards other people. That's saying, you know, hey, you know what? I know that's what happened, but I know that that's that's not really what they meant, and or I know that, you know, it seems that way, but if they really knew it, it, it hurt me like that they, they wouldn't have done it you know and just recognizing these kind of things just saying I'm just gonna let it go you know it's okay I'm just gonna let that go it's not a big deal and just lend that kind of grace what I have found in my own life is the more I live like that the more I handle myself that way with other people, willing to just let things go. Maybe it seems undeserving at the time on their end, but just recognizing, you know what, it's not a big deal. They didn't mean it that way. We're all people, and so we all have emotions. We all have different things that we deal with, and those are imperfect things. So it causes us to respond or react or act you know, maybe not in the best of sorts at all times. We've got to give people permission to be people, right? We've got to give them permission to maybe handle themselves improperly at times or say the wrong things and not hold them in a prison where it's like they have to somehow pay, serve a sentence before we can let them out of that. And we've just got to give them permission to be people. And and I've found the more that I've lived my life that way, the more that I have received that back, I mean, Katie and I were just talking about this recently. I feel like, I feel like just a tremendously, we're just so blessed. We are just so blessed in so many ways, you know. The relationships that are around us, the people that we get to live life together with, the calling that's on all these things, and I know that my response towards that is that I, just want to, I just want to give that out to other people. I just want to live that way and let that be pouring out of me and just being great. And, and the more that we live that way, I'm just telling you, the more it seems to just be surrounding us in all of the areas of our life. We are undeserving of that. I get it. I know that. I mean, we didn't do anything to earn that. But Christ's love and compassion and forgiveness and graciousness towards us is just so relevant to us in our lives. It's like we can't help but want to just live that way for others because we're moved by that. And then when we do so, it seems it's just like more and more of an atmosphere that surrounds us in our own lives. And I treasure that. I treasure that. And God is asking us to live that way. Turn with, your, turn with me in your Bibles to uh, 1 Samuel. And we're going to start out in chapter 18. I'm going to go through this story kind of quickly here, but I want you to see what I consider to be probably one of the ultimate examples of lending grace, even when it's undeserved. And this is like, before we get into this, understand this is like the extreme case of this. I'm not talking about somebody that kind of accidentally did something to offend us or upset us and didn't really mean to, and so we need to go the extra mile to forgive them. I'm talking about flat out, if you had anybody treat you or deal with you the way that Saul is dealing with David here, there is no way that, that any of us have probably gone through something this grave and this extreme, and David is still dealing with Saul and still treating him with this grace and this forgiveness and this compassion that he absolutely doesn't even deserve. And watch and see how it just, it just predisposes David to just keep moving in this favor of God that he's walking in. So this story starts out, it's right after, you know, David slays Goliath. Saul is still king. David didn't just take over his king right away. And Saul he's got these like jealousy issues now because David, you know, is the man. Like he just killed Goliath and Saul didn't want no part of that fight. None of his greatest soldiers want to no part of that fight. All the people in the land are starting to chant David's name and Saul is having a serious issue with this. And the first thing that happens is that he's promising David his daughter in marriage, but it's not that he's blessing him. It's not that he wants to really reward him. He's got some sort of real uh, manipulative plan going on here. Actually, if you want to read in verse 20 with me, it says, Now Michal, who is Saul's daughter, loved David, and then they told Saul this, and the thing pleased him. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him. So and, and then he goes on to say that the hand of the Philistines may be against David. So Saul's whole idea here is he's, he's making it look like he's trying to bless David, but in reality he's got this plot and this plan that somehow by giving him his, his daughter, he's going to enrage the Philistines more and he's going to try to kind of put David in harm's way right? So he's he's out to get David. I mean, he's pursuing his demise. He is contending for his ruin and his, for his destruction. And then he says that uh, what I want you to do is I want you to go out and bring me a hundred foreskins of the Philistine army, and then I will reward you with this. And of course, he's thinking to himself, there's no way. He's this is, he's going to die. If he goes out to fight this battle, he's going to die in trying to, to bring me back the hundred foreskins of these Philistines. And so he, he's plotting against him. Well, little does he realize David goes out and guess what? He actually does it. He's a man of faith and he's a man of honor and he's wanting to live up to what the king is asking him to do. So he goes out, he brings back the hundred foreskins and then it says Saul became very afraid. He knew that the Lord was with David. And so he begins to plot more against David. He throws a spear at him one day when David's playing the harp in the king's quarters and Saul all of a sudden just gets overcome with this jealousy and rage and he throws a spear at David and misses him and David kind of flees and for the next number of chapters what happens is Saul and his armies are pursuing David he's wanting to kill him he's wanting to bring harm against him and so I took a few minutes to build the case that look this isn't like Saul just did something to kind of possibly offend David I mean he is flat out going to every extreme he can to to see this man killed and listen to what David does and how he handles Saul, and how he responds to this way that Saul is treating him. We're going to jump in at verse, or in chapter 24, in verse 2. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men from all of Israel, and went to seek David and his men on the rocks of the wild goats. So he came to the sheepfolds by the road, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to attend to his needs. So he had to use the The bathroom, right? And David and his men were in that cave and staying in the recesses there. And the men of David said to him, This is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand, that you may do good to him as it seems good to you. And David arose and secretly cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and it happened afterward that David's heart troubled him because he had cut Saul's robe. And then he said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, to stretch out my hand against him, seeing that he is the anointed of the Lord. So David restrained his servants with these words and did not allow them to rise against Saul. So this is powerful because you see here that, this, that David's men are saying, look, The Lord has delivered him into your hand. So far as we can see, David would be justified in this case, in this situation, to slay Saul. That, that, that God has basically delivered his enemy up to him and he's giving David the opportunity to put an end to this once and for all, to stop this pursuing him, to stop this dealing with this possibility of being killed. He's brought him to him and he's, and he's saying, look, now is the time just you can go ahead and end this. And so David cuts off a little piece of Saul's robe when Saul is, you know, doing his business over there in the corner, David comes up and cuts a little piece of it off any he, any he, any he, he's troubled just because he's even laid a hand on him and he says stop just don't even touch him and then he goes on to say like he yelled out after Saul was outside hey Saul you know I had a chance to kill you and I didn't here's the piece of your robe Saul looks down and sees a piece of his robe is missing and he repents and he's like you know blessed are you David you you've repaid my evil to you with goodness and so he just and he, and he flees and he goes away and so David had this opportunity to really in, inflict, you know, what was probably owed to Saul back to him. But he didn't. He didn't. He just, he just said, you know what? There's stuff going on here that I don't understand. There's, there's things going on here that I don't know. Saul's got his own issues. Yeah, I could, I could really do this and, and let him have it and really lay into him here. But I'm just not going to. I'm just going to lend favor here. I'm just going to lend grace. I'm just going to forgive him even though he's not even apologizing to me and I'm just going to let that go. And Saul is blown away by the way David handles this. He's totally pursuing him, wanting to inflict harm, and David repays his his harmfulness with kindness. And then you go forward and you think, "Oh my gosh, so everything's going to be great." Well, Saul just continues from that point on. All of a sudden, the jealousy and the rage creeps back up again, and Saul starts pursuing David again, and he wants to kill him. And so he starts to take the armies, and they hunt David into the wilderness, and then David sneaks down into the camp of Saul in chapter 26, and the same thing happens. He's, he's looking at him right now with, actually, let's read in Verse 7. David and Abishai came to the people by night and there Saul lay sleeping within the camp with his spear struck in the ground by his head and Abner saw the people laying all around him. Then Abishai said to David, God has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Now therefore, please let me strike him at once with the spear right to the earth and I will not have to strike him a second time. And guess what David says, don't. Don't lay a hand on him. They take his spear. They take the water pot by his head. They, they walk out of the camp undetected. Same thing happens all over again. Saul finds out that David was there, didn't, didn't do harm to him, and he's, he's overcome by David's goodness. But listen to what, what uh, Abishai says. Let me strike him that I will not have to strike him a second time. Whew, this is powerful. So David understands, David understands that by lending this grace by lending this favor, by forgiving him, by not sentencing him to some punishment, even though it's justly deserved here, that God's even delivered him up, he understands that there's a really good chance that Saul's going to come back again to pursue him. When we are lending favor and lending grace in the relationships in our lives, you've got to know that there's good chance that you're still going to get hurt again. There's a good chance that things are still going to happen later on down the road that where you're going, to, you're going to be vulnerable as a, as a part of living this way and living in love and being open with your relationship. You're just vulnerable to being hurt, right? Just like And David understands that. I could kill him now, and I'll never have this problem again but he doesn't do that. He lends that grace and that forgiveness, even though he understands that he may still go on to be hunted and pursued and have to deal with this thing, but he chooses grace over dealing that judgment to Saul. And that's what I would say to us is, listen, a lot of times it's going to seem justified. It's going to seem appropriate. To, to maybe deal a, a sentencing or, or to be, cast a judgment on a situation or to you know, get upset or be, handle something in a certain way. It's going to seem justified because of what someone did to us or how they treated us or whatever. But I'm just saying, listen, grace is the better option. Grace is the better choice. It's always going to create the better atmosphere in our lives, right? Grace is the better choice. It's not about people deserving it. It's not. They're imperfect. In fact, we acknowledge that a lot of the stuff that's hurt us was probably because people acted imperfectly. So it's not about them deserving it. It's about us choosing to lend that anyway, because we didn't deserve the grace that God gave us, but he chose to give it to us anyway. And he's asking us to live in such manner. It's not about people deserving it. It's about choosing it anyway. Let me go and close with a scripture out of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, pursue peace with all people. And holiness, without which no one will see the Lord, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring up, causing trouble, and by this many become defiled. Listen, we are to pursue peace at all times with the people in our lives. And in order to contend for peace, it requires us. To give grace and give forgiveness when picking up a sword is really maybe still justified and seems like the better thing to do, right? We are to contend for peace. And what's interesting in that scripture is it said, lest any bitterness spring up causing you trouble and many become defiled. So in order for bitterness to spring up, there has to first be a root there, right? Something has to be causing it to grow up. And when we don't live in such a way where we give grace and we give favor and we give forgiveness just freely and as just a regular part of how we live, that there's a really good chance that if we if we don't handle ourselves that way, that roots of things can take and things can take root in us that can begin to spring up bitterness later on down the road and begin to kind of create weeds of things in our lives when we need that to be kind of an open field, if you will, right? And so so what he's saying here in the scripture is if you live where you're regularly Uh, trying to say, well, this is not right, you know, you're putting judgment or being critical or just not giving grace and forgiveness because it seems justified, maybe sometimes that might be right. But if you live that way, you're going to get it wrong too many times. You're going to mess up too many times when you don't understand all the situation behind it. And as a result of that, there's going to be things that take root there that you don't want to take root. And bitterness and strife and just unhealthy atmosphere is going to start to spring up and grow up in those relationships in your life, right? Paul said, look, where sin abounded, grace did abound much more, right? Talking about our sin and Jesus' grace, God's grace on us. Where our sin abound, grace abounded much more. The, the grace of God has the ability to overwhelm and smother and just totally interfere with what sin was doing, And much is the case when we lend grace uh, towards other people. There may be things that were done wrongly to us. There may be things that we were mistreated for. But when we lend that grace, it, it abounds. It has the ability to just sort of put to death or put to rest any of those things that maybe started to spring up, and they can't begin to grow anymore in our life from that point on. Grace is the better choice. Say, grace is the better choice.